Good morning, everyone. Welcome to this chilly Tuesday. It's freezing, so I'm all dressed up all warm like this, but we're continuing our series through the Psalms, and today uh, it's Psalm chapter 12. So it says, To the choir master, according to the Sheminith, and we've mentioned the Sheminith before, it just means according to the eight. So guys aren't 100% sure what that eight is. It could mean an eight-string harp. It could mean that it was written like the harmonies are like in octaves or something to do with eight. But anyway, it's a form of writing or an instrument that it was played on. And it says a psalm of David. Save, O Lord, for the godly is gone, for the faithful have vanished from among the children of men. Everyone utters lies to his neighbor. With flattering lips and a double heart they speak. May the Lord cut off all flattering lips. The tongue that makes great boasts. Those who say, with our tongues we will prevail. Our lips are with us. Who is master over us? Because the poor are plundered, because the needy groan, I will now arise, says the Lord. I will place him in the safety for which he longs. The words of the Lord are pure words, like silver refined in a furnace on the ground, purified seven times. You, O Lord, will keep them. You will guard us from this generation forever. On every side the wicked prowl, as vileness is exalted amongst the children of mankind. So here's the context to this thing. David, we read about um, when we look at his life story. David was a very successful warrior. David was kind of those very one of those very direct guys. He arrives, he sees Goliath, he's like, let's go kill him. And what's the problem, people? Like, let's just do this thing. But guys have um, surmised that maybe this was written in the time where David goes from being this shepherd boy who has this very direct, honest, straight up approach to life. And now he's living in the temple, uh, in the palace with Saul. And in the palace with Saul, uh, all of a sudden now he's exposed to politics and word games, not being sure who you can trust. You know, people say things and um, stuff that is said is said more for the way that it sounds. You know, I, I, my words are more for the way they sound than what they actually mean. It doesn't really matter what they mean. I'll just I want to say the right thing in the right situation to be um, perceived to be a specific way. I'll promise anything in the moment to look good and to sound good. I don't mean a word that I'm saying at all. And David is struggling with this because he's saying like, your words need to be like straight up. Even Jesus, when um, Jesus was talking when he was on the earth in Matthew chapter five, he says, let what you say simply be yes or no. Anything more than this comes from evil. Let your yes be yes and let your no be no. And David was very much like this, like just this, he's this honest, sincere shepherd boy, right? And so when he goes off into battle, he goes believing if someone says this is the reason he goes and he believes what these words, these words that are said. And he, he bumps into, in Saul's, temp, in Saul's palace, he bumps into this um, lack of transparency and this lack of honesty and just these words for words sake. And for him, words mean something. Words are powerful because he uses words to worship Jesus. He uses words to send soldiers to their death. He uses words to comfort. He, for him, the words are incredibly important and aren't used like this. And so he's pouring out his heart to Jesus or to, to God at the time and just saying like, you know, people's lips, they are so lying. And uh, where he's, he says a little bit later on, he talks about um, people with a double heart. The literal translation for that is someone who has a heart and a heart. You know, it's like today it would be someone who has like a heart for the church but then also a heart for the world. Someone who has a heart for Jesus, but also who has a heart for himself. Um, uh, I wrote this down. I said that a man without a heart is cruel, right? If you say someone's heartless, they're cruel. But someone who's got two hearts is a monster. And David's kind of looking at this and going like, that's exactly what it is. It's like, can I trust you? Because what heart am I bumping into? What is actually being said here? 
uh, one of the things I've I've often wrestled with in the church. There's this expression that a friend of mine um, many years ago spoke about. He he said the one thing he really struggles with in the church and he struggles with with people are yarbrews. And a yarbrew is someone who in the moment will promise you anything. Hey, we should do this. We should get together. Let's have a meal together sometime. Yarbrew for sure. But they don't mean a word of it. They're just saying it to agree and to look good in the moment. Hey, we should help this person. Yarbrew, we should. Oh, wow. Would you mind praying for me? Yarbrew. So yarbrew is like all the promise in the world, but no meaning behind the words. No weight behind the words. The words are light and just... It's a little bit like the thing of, I'll be praying for you, you know? Um, and do we actually mean what we're saying? And David is really struggling here by saying that in this political uh, atmosphere in Saul's palace, it's so two-faced. And friends, here's the challenge for us today. In the church, do we reflect the heart of God with how God looks at words? Or do we reflect the world and where words are said to sound good, look good, to appear good? Because David goes on and he says, this is how God's words are. A little bit further down, he says that the words of the Lord are pure. They are pure words like silver refined. They are true. Refined seven times. So you can go back and look at their motives over and over and over again. But they are true. That he, God means every single thing that he says. When I look at God's promises, I can rely on them. Yes, they are true. And in verse 7, he says, you, O Lord, will keep your promises. You will keep your words. And there's three things here. He says, we can trust God's word. For three things, because number one, God's words are true in terms of the facts. Factually, what God is saying is absolutely true, right? Factually, if, if he says that he will do something, he will do that thing. And if he says things are a certain way, they are definitely that way. And we can trust factually what God is saying. Secondly, we can trust the motives behind what God is saying. And this is also really important that God isn't saying it because he's got a, he's got a dog in the fight. You know, he's not trying to manipulate or trying to, you know, the, his words aren't being used to try and twist. And his words are saying, his word, his, the motives for his words are, I love you. And I want what's best for you. And so when he speaks, he's not try, trying to manipulate. He wants, his words are motivated in love. And, and what's so beautiful about that is when, when I know the motive behind someone's words, I can really accept them. You know, um, uh, when someone says something really hard to me and they're a friend and someone that I trust and I know that their motives are for me, I can accept those words. And they can really bring about change in my life. That's why building these deep relationships that we have within the church and, and with others and, and learning to become reliable, that people know that when we speak, our words are true factually, but our words are also true in terms of the motives. They know that we're not trying to manipulate people for ourselves. All of a sudden, our words have incredible power to be able to bring change. When we speak truth to people, we speak God's word. We're not doing it to, to manipulate. There's way too much of that that goes on in life. But are my words true in terms of their motives? And number three, God's words are true in terms of power, that God himself will back up what he says. He has the power to back up what he says. You know, I could say to someone, hey man, you know what? I could give you a million bucks or hey man, like you're sick. I could just, I could heal you or um, whatever this, I could promise the world. But in myself, I don't have the power to back up my words. And what God, what, when God promises us something, friends, to know that he is all powerful and he has the power to completely and absolutely back up every single thing that he says means that not only can I believe them to factually be true, not only do I believe that they come from a great motive, but I know that those words will not fall to the ground. They will accomplish everything that they've set out to accomplish. And this is a massive challenge to us as God's people. And so can I encourage us over the course of today? 
let's just think through our words a little bit. I think, um, and think through, not only uh, put this filter on our words that we are careful of what we say, but how about we think to ourselves of the power of our words and how about using our words today to speak some truth to someone, to encourage someone, to build somebody up. Let's take our words. And in a world where everyone's promising all kinds of stuff, we live in a world now with social media where there are more words said than, than any time before in history. Everything, you know, there's a word for everything that's been said at the moment. There's an opinion about everything that's going on. But in the middle of all of that, how about we take something and from a, a heart that's motivated by Jesus, take some words and encourage someone today. Send them a text. There's a little bit of homework for us and see what God can do through us. Can't wait to see you guys in the rest of the week. Have a wonderful, wonderful day.